guys and um, uh, excited to be talking with you about just who we are as a church and sharing with you on our welcome weekend. What our welcome weekend is, is it's just an opportunity for us just to talk about who we are as a church. Um, sometimes, you know, uh, we've got guests even here today. Uh, we've had people that maybe have been coming for a couple weeks and you've got questions. Who are you? What, what are you about? Why are you here? Uh, and so we're going to try to answer some of those questions today, give you a general sense about who we are and, um, and just talk a little bit about that. And also for those of us that we've been attending for a while. This is our home church. It's a good time just to be reminded. That's right. That's what we're about. That's what we're participating. That's the family that God's given us to be a part of, and that's the mission he's called us to do. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, so when we get back to the end of it, you should be fully informed about who City Life is, hopefully, right? And if you're confused, uh, come back next week and maybe we'll figure it out. So but um, so this who we are real quick is uh, we're, we're, uh, we're a church. We're a multi-campus church with a regional mission. And so what I mean by that is, is we have a campus in Newport News. Um, that is our main campus that started um, nine years ago. And from that campus is birth and uh, just a call that we believe God's given us to be a regional church, that we will have campuses all throughout the region, um, that that campus will continue to plant other campuses, and the other campuses will continue to plant other campuses as a way of reaching people, uh, giving people opportunity to participate in church, to be a part of a church body, to be utilizing their gifts, serving, and, and um, helping just to advance God's kingdom through the talents that he's given them. And uh, so we're going to be continually just launching campuses. We're going be launching our third campus next year and um, in 2016 in the Suffolk area. And so that's who we are as a church. And we're going to be talking just a little bit more about that. As you want to find out more details about that, that's what Discovering City Life is about. We're going into some more details on that. Um, so that is kind of um, who we are as a church, how we're governed, um, who our leadership is, all that fun stuff. We'll be talking about that in our Discovering City Life. And so that's the last time I'm going to plug that for you. But if you want to know those types of things, that is the opportunity for you. Uh, Pastor Fred is our lead pastor. He is not here today. Uh, him and his family have some other things they are taking care of today. But Pastor Fred is our lead pastor. He serves primarily at the Newport News campus, um, and, uh, but leads the whole church. He is the uh, head pastor for the church. And so he and Vanessa are incredible people who have a huge heart and vision for this region. And God's just gifted them in an incredible way. They have an incredible family. And uh, it would be good for you to meet them at some point. He's going to be speaking here um, uh, two weeks. Uh, from now, he'll speak two weeks in a row, and so it'll be a good chance just to get to know him and hear him, um, and so he'll be here. And then for me, I am uh, the campus pastor here at Williamsburg. My name is Jamie, if you do not know me, and uh, Pastor Fred and I are both bald and bearded, and I'm better looking, and so that's how you can tell us apart. And so um, so that's uh, who I am. My wife, Michelle, was up here a minute ago. She's doing something else now, uh, but we've got two amazing kids, and uh, we just came here a little over a year ago uh, to the... Um, uh, almost two years ago now, so that's kind of crazy. Time's getting away from us. And so uh, we came here uh, to be a part of this church, to be the campus pastors here at Williamsburg. And uh, we've been serving here now for uh, over a year, and it's been a ton of fun um, and just enjoying every moment of it. So that's kind of who we are, just a quick snapshot of who the people are, just kind of the heart for the church. And so 
Um, as we kind of get into it, I'm not going to get into a ton of specifics today and just kind of uh, go through all the things that we talk about and all our phrases and all that stuff. Really today what I was thinking about is, is just uh, as I was thinking about the welcome weekend and I was thinking about visiting other churches, I was thinking about churches that I've gone and, uh, and been a part of and became a part of their uh, spiritual community, a part of their church family. And I was thinking about, you know, what kind of churches I've really enjoyed being a part of. Um, and I really, uh, there's other churches that I've not really enjoyed being a part of. Have you ever been in those experiences, right? So we both have the goods and we both have the bads. And, and as I was thinking about it, I started thinking about just moments in my life um, where things have happened. And I'm just like, man, that was just such a great moment. And then I thought about a moment that actually just happened the other day. And it was just such a horrible moment. And so I'm going to tell you these two stories. And we're going to kind of use that to frame in a third story, which is a Jesus story, which is way more important, and, uh, and so we'll get to that, and hopefully through that we'll talk a little bit about who we are as a church. So the first one I could, uh, was going to talk about is, is this is a, a great story, and some of you were there, but um, I just had my 35th birthday last month in April, um, April, for, April Fool's baby, and, um, and so I was born in 1980, and I'm 35 years old, and it's crazy. I'm five years away from 40. That does not make any sense, because I still think that I'm 22, right? Um, and that's just where I feel like I'm mentally at, and uh, it's just absolutely crazy to think that I'm five years away from 40. It's disturbing. My son turns 10 this year, and it just makes me feel really old and kind of want, want to throw up in my mouth. But anyway, so um, so so on my birthday, um, it was uh, we were it was actually um, in March, and so one, there was one Sunday. Um, it, we got done with service here. We got done with tear, uh, you know, tearing down everything, and everything was loaded up in the trailer. And my mom had been just uh, hounding me for weeks. They live in Hampton, and she's just like, you know, you guys moved here. This is the first time you've ever lived near us, and we never see you. Um, I don't know if my grandkids even know who I am, and you live only 30 minutes. And I'm like, Mom, stop. Do you want us to come over? And she's like, yes. And so she's like, you know, let's set a date. So we're like, all right, great. We're going to come on this Sunday. And so, um, so we get done with everything. And and, and uh, one of our friends, Noel, she was with us, and I was actually riding in the back seat of the car, goofing off with the kids, and they had their bikes and all this different stuff. And I was actually on the way; I was giving every, uh, Michelle a hard time, and um, I actually had Ryland's bike helmet on my head, and I was taking Instagram pictures, which Michelle hates social media, and she hates being called out on social media. And I was making fun of her driving and stuff, and taking pictures of me with my helmet, and so you know, and I'm just goofing off with the kids. And I get to uh, my parents' house, and I'm just kind of just like doing whatever, getting the kids. And uh, as we're walking into the house, there's this random dog I've never seen in their neighborhood, right? It's just like there. It's this tiny little thing that's not even really should be, shouldn't even be classified as a dog, you know? Um, it really should be something else, you know? And, uh, and so it's this tiny little thing. And it's just like yapping at us. And I'm like, what are you doing? And where are you from? So I'm like trying to keep the dog from going inside the house. Have you ever had a stray dog go in your house? Like, have you ever had that experience? Like, it's not a good experience, right? Like, because they just, like, they don't just go in and just, like, let me check this place out, right? They're just, like, let me go in and knock over everything I can. Let me get as far away from you and just go crazy and start marking things. And so I'm, like, don't go in the house, you know? And so I'm sitting there. I got my daughter's bike helmet on, and I'm trying to kick this dog and just, like, not kick, but just shove <laughs> nicely right and, and so um and so I, I'm sitting there just like don't come in and I open the door and like I'm going in and I'm sitting there and I'm just talking like this unbeknownst to me there is just dozens and dozens of people just standing there waiting and just looking at me and so I'm just sitting there and then all of a sudden I go like this and everybody's like surprise you know and I'm just like what in the world? I mean, I had 
absolutely no clue. I was so caught off guard. Braden, my son, uh, they even hid it from my kids because they, you know, my, they knew my kids would just spoil the entire thing because they cannot keep their mouth shut about anything. And so, uh, and so they didn't even tell them. Braden, when he came in the door, like as soon as they came in the door, my dad knew exactly what Braden was going to do. So he was waiting for him. And like, so as soon as Braden came in the door, dad was like, bam, and just took him like a ninja and just like took him off, you know? And, and so like, and so like Braden's just like, what happened? So it was just this crazy experience, you know? And I'm looking around, I'm seeing so many of you there and, and people from the Newport News campus. And I had a friend from high school, uh, of, or really, I mean, middle school. I mean, I've known him since sixth grade and, and he was there and it was just like, so crazy just seeing all of these people and I'm just looking around and like I got this stupid bicycle helmet on I've got this nasty shirt that I was just like I don't care we're going to mom and dad's right and I'm just like just I mean just crazy at that point I was experimenting with growing this beard you know which Michelle just this week reminded me how ugly I was and so if ever you were offended by my beard I'm sorry um, but if you liked it thank you all right and so uh, you know so I had this just this crazy thing on my face. And I mean, it was just this moment where in most situations, you know, most people would just be absolutely petrified, you know? And you're just like, I don't know what's happening. Um, man, I don't know. I just almost wet my pants, you know? <laughs> like what's going on in this moment? And I just looked around and it was just pure joy. It was just pure joy because as I looked around, it was friends, it was family, it was people that were looking at me and they were just saying, how cool is it that Jamie's got that helmet on his head? Because that's just so Jamie, right? And, they, and it wasn't like judgment, it wasn't like, what a moron, you know? Maybe they were, but they loved me for being a moron, you know? And it was just such a, just, it was just an affirming moment. It was such a, a moment where I just like, I was like, I have a place. Like, this is just, man, I have family. I have people that care about me deeply. And it was so supportive and it was just so much fun and Zach cooked some ridiculous barbecue and then mom cooked all kinds of insane stuff and so many I mean there was so much food and just fellowship and everywhere I went I was just talking to people and and we were just celebrating life and just talking about all the good things that God had done in my life we were laughing about my dad kidnapping Braden in the moment and just you know reliving all this different it was just so awesome and I've relived that moment so many different times in my mind now Contrary story, this just happened on Friday. So Friday, um, I, I, we like, in our family, we try to do everything we can to make memories. That's one of the things we talk about all the time with our kids. Every single day before they leave, uh, one of the last things I say to my kids, I got two things I say to them every day, and the last thing I always say to them is like, hey, what's today? And they say, temporary. And I say, what's tomorrow? And they say, not promised. And then I say, so what are you going to do today? And they say, make the most of every moment we have. And I'm like, that's right. And so I'm just like, so that's what every day is about, is making the most of the moments. And, and we do that by trying to create memories, right? And so we just do all these different things that we can do in our family just to create memories. Even if there's like the smallest of situations, we've got things set up that Michelle and I do so that it's just a memory that we just try to help it last forever. And so one of the things that um, I think is just crucial for a kid to be able to remember is times that their dad said, you don't have to go to school, right? Um, because I know those were just great moments. When I was a kid, I created them myself a lot, you know? It was like, oh, I'm sick, <laughs> you know? And my mom, she was so awesome even now. She's like, I knew you weren't sick, but you know, I just let you stay home because it was fun. And I was like, you're awesome. And so like, and so I was just like, all right, so let's just intentionally do stuff. So, so two weeks ago, um, I had an eye doctor's appointment, and, um, and so 
uh, I was like, you know what I could do? Because um, Monday is my day off, and I was like, and that was the day of my eye doctor's appointment. And I was like, you know what I could do? I could keep Braden out of school, and him and I could go watch Avengers together. I was like, how awesome would that be, right? And so I keep Braden out of school. I tell him he has an eye doctor's appointment. Of course, I didn't tell him until that morning, because if I told him on Saturday, he would ask a thousand questions. Like, what are they going to do to me? You know, are they going to hurt me? Is, you know, all these different things, whatever else. And I was like, I'm just not going to do that. So I told him that morning. So, of course, you know, we take Rylan to school because she didn't want to ride the school bus by herself. And so we take him, and the whole way there, what are they going to do? Are they going to put stuff in my eyes? Like, I mean, are they going to look into my eyeballs? Like, what are they going to see? Can I see it if they see it? Like, you know, he's all of these questions. And then so he's starting to get nervous and work himself up. And then so finally we get Rylan into school, and I'm like, hey, dude, all right, listen, I, I lied to you. You're not going to school today. Um, you're, because you're not going to the eye doctors. You're, you and I are getting ready to go to the movies right now. We're going to watch the Avengers, and then we're just going to hang out today. You're going to go to the eye doctor with me, but we're just going to have fun today and do whatever you want to. And he's just like, for real? <laughs> I, was, I was like, yeah. And we're like driving down 64 at one point, and he's just like, I'm so excited. I'm shaking, <laughs> you know? And so I was just like, now listen, you can't say anything because I'm going to do the same thing for your sister, right? And so, so we did the same thing for Rylan on Friday, and I took Rylan out of school, and I was, I, I don't even remember what I told her, and I was like, you can't go to school. And she was just crazy, ridiculous, trying to keep it quiet. So I had to tell her pretty quick. And so, uh, and so anyway, so I took her to Bush Gardens, right? Because Rylan... She is, Brayden is our compassionate, sensitive, loving, just, he's just, that's who he is, right? Rylan is our fearless warrior, right? She's just like, I will take anyone on and anything on, and I don't care that I'm the size of a peanut, right? And so that's just like who she is. And so, um, so she's been dying to be able to ride roller coasters. Like, that's just her thing, right? And so, I mean, last year, there's roller coasters where Braden's tall enough, and Braden's just like, uh-uh, I'm not doing it, you know? And Rylan's like, am I tall enough? Am I tall enough? You know? And she's like, so she really wanted to ride roller coasters. And so we didn't know if she was quite tall enough, so we tried to help her out a little bit. Um, we bought her some um, Chuck platform shoes that got like soles like this on it, right? And then Michelle did her hair so she had this bun on top of her head, right? <laughs> and so we're like doing everything we can and we're like kind of staying like this, right? This helps you to be as tall as you possibly can. And so she's like, all right. So so we go to Bush Gardens and we're just got this whole day and she's just excited and just so worked up about it. And so so we go to Bush Gardens and we love Bush Gardens, all right? I'm getting ready to bash Bush Gardens a little bit, but we love Bush Gardens, all right? And so um, and so we get there and and as I'm pulling in, it's 919. I remember that because I looked up and I saw a sign that said the park opened at 10 o'clock. And I was like, oh, shoot. What am I going to do with this excited little girl who's just like going crazy out of her mind to ride her first roller coaster, right, for 40 minutes? Like, what am I going to do with this little thing um, and just standing at a gate. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I thought the park opened at 9.30. And so, so we get there, we get in the parking lot, and we're having fun. I'm trying to sit there just think all the ways that I can kill time. And if you're a dad, you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. And so, so we go ahead and go through, and I'm just like, well, we'll just go to see what the line looks like as far as you know, getting checked in and all that stuff. And so we go there, and I had a little bag um, with an extra pair of shoes just in case those shoes were killing her legs. And so I had that and then water bottles and all that stuff or whatever. And so they had to check our bags, and then um, as we're going in, um, all the people are noticing Rylan because she's got these crazy shoes on, these giant crazy colored socks, and then she's got a princess tiara on, and nothing matches, and she just looks so awesome. And so she's like walking in, and she's just like, you know, she feels like she's, you know, six foot tall. And so we go in, and we go to check ourselves in, and like they're just letting people in. I'm like, well, cool. This helps us to kill a little bit of time. And, and we go to scan our tickets, and it takes four 
forever to scan our ticket. Like, I mean, they won't go through. And so the guy's just like, I don't know, and keep trying it. And I'm like, dude, I've tried it six times. You've tried it six times. Like, I just, can, is there any other way to do this? And so he's like, oh, I can type the number in. I was like, fantastic. How about we do that? And so, you know, he types the number in, and they're like, give your fingerprint. So we finally get in. And, and so we get in, and we walk straight to the Loch Ness Monster. That was my first roller coaster. I don't know if you've ever ridden it. That's a classic roller coaster, right? And so, so we go to the Loch Ness Monster. We get there. And it's like 9, I don't know, like 35 now, right? And they're actually running the coaster, and there's people on there. And I'm like, that's kind of awesome, right? So let's go ahead and do this thing. So we walk up. As soon as I get to the line, the lady, she's just like, hey, you can't take your bag onto the thing. You have to go buy a locker. And I was like, what? I've, like, ridden this thing my entire life. What are you talking about? I always just set it over on the side, you know, where the cubby things are. And she's just like, no, you have to go buy a locker. And I'm like... No, I don't. And she's like, yes, you do. And I'm like, no, I don't. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, we can argue about it. But I mean, I've done this, you know. And I was like, does it take cash? And, or does it take cash only? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, well, I don't have cash, you know. And she's like, well, you got to go buy a locker. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. And she's like, ah, just go ahead. And I was like, fantastic. And she goes, but I got to measure your daughter. And I'm like, ah. And so, so she goes up, Rylan, you know, she knows the deal. So she's standing up almost on her tiptoes the best as she possibly can, you know. And she's just like as tall as she can. And then so she starts coming down and she's like, oh, her hair's in the way. And I'm like, you can scrunch it if you need to, you know, and so she's like, scrunch it, and so she's just like, uh, I don't know, uh, and she could just tell she didn't want to say no, right, and so I was just like, I'm not going to give you room to say no, <laughs> you know, and so, and so she measures her, and, and she finally, she's just like, you know what, she's fine, just go ahead, and I'm like, awesome, so we get her into there, and so Rylan, she's just going, she's just excited, she's like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome, we walk in, there's nobody in line, so she gets to pick the car that she wants to, I go, and I take my bag, and I set it on the other side of the fence, where I've always sat it, right, and so um, I'm putting it there, and, and as I'm sitting in my seat, this lady comes up, she goes, hey, next time you have to get a locker, and I'm like, Okay, next time? She's like, yeah. And I was like, cool. <laughs> so so I, put the, I put the harness on, and then I put Rylan's harness down. And, like, I mean, the thing, like, I'm just like, where did my daughter go? Like, I can't even see her in there because she's so tiny. And she's just in there, but she's all excited. And she's like, all right, can I hold your hand at any moment? And I said, that's right, baby. My hand's always right here. And so I told her where it was going to be. And so she grabbed a hold of my hand. And so we're going around the big curve, and we start going up the big hill. And she's just talking. We get up to the very top. She's like, I can see it everything this is awesome and so I'm like yeah it's so cool I was like all right we're gonna have a big drop okay and I was like so you need to squeeze my hands you need to I said you can yell nobody's gonna hear you even if you scream like you think you're gonna die everybody's gonna think you're having fun so do whatever you got to you know this is gonna be awesome so we go down the drop and as we're going down the drop she lets go of my hand and she's like <laughs> you know as high as she can say she's having so much fun and then I was like all right here comes a loop and she goes a loop and I'm like yeah and then she goes she goes this is awesome you know and, and there's that dark little tunnel like she hates dark places and so I give her a heads up hey this is and she's like oh no it's a dark so she grabs my hand again and then we're in the tunnel and halfway through the tunnel she lets go of my hand and she's like ee! you know and she's just having so much fun and I'm like this is awesome this is gonna be the best day in the world so we get done with the Loch Ness Monster and she's just jumping and we're taking pictures in front of the sign and she's just like so excited so then we go to Apollo's Chariot because that's the next best roller coaster I think right um, in my mind at least I don't know so anyway so we go to Apollo's Chariot 
And so we get there, and, um, and so the guy's like, we got to measure her. I'm like, cool, no big deal, right? No problem at all. And, um, and he goes, oh, and by the way, while I'm measuring her, you need to put your bag in a locker. And I'm like, for real, dude? <laughs> like, he's like, you got to put it in a locker. And I was like, man, come on. So he measured her. He's like, whoa, she's way too short. She can't ride anything in the park. And so he, like, takes his wristband and puts it on her. It's like this whatever else so, like, everybody can see she can't ride any roller coaster. And I was like, whoa, we just rode it. And he's like, well, they messed up. And I'm like, oh, man. So we kind of walk away, and I take the wristband off. <laughs> and so I'm an awesome dad, right? So um, this is not a sermon about ethics, all right? So, um, <laughs> So, so, so I take it off, and so then we're going to go through the Asia part of the thing, and I'm like, we're going to go to Verbolton, and we're just going to give it another shot, right? I'm just going to keep trying until we just know we can't do this thing. So we go, we go to go through Asia, and as we're going through Asia, like, we walk up to the thing, and there's just a dude just standing there like this. He's just standing there like this, and he's just like, just standing there, right? And so finally, I'm just get up to him, and this other person goes to walk, and he's just like, closed. And we're like, what? And he's like, Closed. And it's like 10, it's like 1040 now, right? And he's just like, closed. And we're like, what's closed? He's like, all of Asia. <laughs> I'm like, that's a lot of power. And, you know, but, but so it's just like, I mean, it's just closed. He's just like, you can't go through. And we're like, why? You know, and he's just like, it's closed. And he just looked so excited to be doing his job. And he looked like he was having so much fun. And he knew every reason as to why it was. And he was given permission to share that. No, none of that, right? He was just like, it's closed. I don't want to be here. I don't know why it's closed. And he's like, it's closed. So then we go around to another thing, and she's just like, can I have Dippin' Dots? I'm like, fantastic. Dippin' Dots at 1030, that's what the day's about, right? And so we go to get Dippin' Dots. We go to the thing, the vendor. Windows open, all set up. He's just standing there, and so we're standing in line. Five minutes of standing in line. I'm closed. I can't sell you anything right now. And I was like, oh, cool. All right. <laughs> and so I just kind of walk off, and then, then we finally go. go um, she sees uh, Alpengeist, right? We go to Alpengeist, and the guy measures her, and he says, she's way too short. She can't ride this ride. And I was like, oh, man. And he goes, but she is a blue, so she can ride for Bolton. She can ride Mont Tower. She can ride the Loch Ness Monster. And so I was like, awesome. And he puts the blue wristband on her. So I'm like, dude, problem solved. We can just go, hee-hee, right? And just go through the whole thing. So she goes to Mock Tower, and I was so shocked that she wanted to do Mock Tower. We get there, and she's watching it, and she's just, like, not even hesitating, right? She's going right in. We go to Mock Tower. It's the one that's, like, 400-some foot tall, and it just drops you, you know? And so we go in, get right in the seat. I strap her in, and she's even less secure this time, right? <laughs> so, like, I'm measuring her, and it's just, like, this distance of, like, the harness is this far away from her chest. It's this far away from her legs. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so as we start going up, I was like, hey, you might float a little bit <laughs> as we we're driving. So hold the handles like this, because I can't really grab you. And she's like, okay. And as we're going up, you know, she's like, I can see the whole world. And she's like, you know, and so I'm like, all right, let's get ready to drive. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And then it drops in her little legs. I just see him, like, float. <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, oh. So, I mean, so we do that, right? And so then I'm like, all right, let's go to Verbolton. And we go to Verbolton. The guy's like, hey, we got to measure her. And I'm like, she's got the blue wristband, you know? Like, we're good. And he's like, no, i got to measure her. It doesn't matter. And I was like, man. So he measures her. And she's like, wait, she's way too short. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And so she's getting sad at this point, you know? And so then we go somewhere else, and we go, I'm going to play a little game so she can win a, per, a pink turtle, you know. And their card machine's broken, and they're like, go over here, and that's broken. And so we can't do the pink turtle thing, so she's so sad. And so then we go to another area, and they're like, sorry, this isn't open yet, and, you know. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And so then we go to another area, and they're just like, sorry. And she, she starts crying, and it's just like, it's just tough, you know. Like, I mean, it's just like, what is, and I'm like, what in the world? And every, like, turnout, everywhere I went, you got to get a locker, you got to get a locker and nobody knows why and you know they're like telling me like 
I used to put it in the cubbies, and they're just like, we've never had cubbies. And I'm like, you're a liar. <laughs> I know you have, you know? And, like, uh, and so there's going through. Finally, I meet this manager, and he starts explaining everything. He tells me why, and I was like, finally, somebody that knows and somebody that cares, right? And so as I think about both of these experiences and, and think about what the implications of them are in just our life, and I think about them and apply them to church, and I want us to be known as a church that's a place where people can come in and they just walk in and they feel like they're a part of something that says, I love you. I accept you for who you are. Like, I noticed you're kind of goofy looking or you're kind of like, I mean, you're wearing a bicycle helmet and it's not really appropriate, you know, and you're just like, but you know what? I love you. You're a part of something way bigger. You're, you have an integral part of what God is doing in this world, and I want you to know who God is, and I want you to experience him. I want us to be known as a church that's loving, that's caring. I don't want us to be known as a church that when you come in the doors, you don't know what's happening and nobody else knows what's happening and no one really cares to be there. I don't want us to be a church that's just kind of just here and just existing and just kind of doing its thing. I want us to be a church that knows that God has called us and brought us together for a kingdom purpose. I want to be known as a church that says, hey, I know who you are and I know what you've done, but I also know who Jesus is and I also know what Jesus has done. And because of that, this is how I'm going to love you. This is how I'm going to live my life for you. And so if we go to scripture, we can look at a story that I think helps sets the tone for who we are supposed to be as a church. So you can turn to Matthew chapter 28 and everyone that's sitting here just saying, I wonder if he's ever going to get the scripture you're thankful at this moment. Matthew chapter 28. It's just one of my favorite texts in all of scripture because it's just so real and it's so practical and speaks to our own just experiences. No matter who we are, we've had moments of just insecurity. We've had moments where we just say, I don't know what's going on in this world. We've had moments, I just don't understand this God thing. And, and this story speaks so incredibly to that in Matthew chapter 28 in verse 16 this is known as the great commission maybe if you've grown up in church you know that you you've heard it before so in, in verse 16 it says this then the 11 disciples left for Galilee going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go when they saw him they worshiped him but some of them doubted now, I, I love this in verse 16. We see that it says, the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And, and I love this because when you look at Galilee, especially here in Matthew, Matthew skips over all the other instances that, that, that Mark and Luke hit where Jesus appeared to the disciples in many different places. Matthew almost intentionally skips over those. In verses 7 and verses 10, he just keeps repeatedly saying that Jesus says, go to Galilee, go to Galilee. And so here again, he's just saying that Jesus met them in Galilee. And so Jesus had a specific place that he wanted them to go and where he wanted to meet them. There was a time maybe after his resurrection that he told them specifically, hey, meet me at this mountain. We don't know which mountain it is. There's speculations as to what mountain it is, but it's speculation, so we don't need to go there, right? And so this is just, it's, it's, it's a place that was known to the disciples. It was known to the people that followed Jesus. It was probably a place that had significance to them. And when Jesus said go there, they knew why he was saying to go there. It was something that stood out to them. 
Even beyond that, you look at the fact of Galilee, why it's so significant. Galilee is the place where Jesus did the biggest and most of his miracles. It's a significant place in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Beyond that, a lot of the guys that were his disciples came from this area. So a lot of them had already retreated and returned to this area because they were going back to the way of life before Jesus. They were returning back to their normal jobs. They were going back to their normal places of living. And so a lot of his followers had come from this region and they had sacrificed much but now they had retreated back to Galilee and they were kind of like man this whole thing didn't work out we thought he was the Messiah and then he died um, that's kind of like what my messiahs are not supposed to do so we're kind of like I don't understand what was going on and so they're going back to their old way of life and Jesus is coming to where they are right He's coming to a place where he had shown himself to be God, had done miraculous things. He's returning to Galilee. And in verse 17, it says that when they saw him, they worshiped him. And, and the language is there is that they, when they saw him, they saw him from a distance. They knew who he was. They recognized him, but he was at a distance. And then I love this, and it says, and some of them doubted. Now, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about, in 1 Corinthians, um, that Jesus appeared to a group of over 500 people. Now, there's a lot of theologians, and my, my, I myself, I, I would lean towards, and again, this is speculation, but I would still lean towards that this is the moment, this is where the 500 were gathered. Because there were so many of his followers that were in Galilee. Galilee is in the northern part of the territory. The mountain that we could think, that any of the mountains that he could be at, is really a secluded mountain. It's a safe place. Now you think about it. Jesus had just been murdered, right? And, and now everybody um, in the Jewish leadership was celebrating. And anybody that was like a Jesus follower was at risk. So these people are like, I mean, you, you think of the other stories in the other gospels. They're hiding behind locked doors. They're fearing for their life. They're kind of that. So Galilee's up in the northern territory. And Jesus says to them, go to this place that's secluded. Go to this place that's safe. Go to this place. Go there. They see him. And when they see him, some of them doubt. And I love that because a lot of times when we come into church, a lot of times church postures itself and says there is no room for doubt. There is no room for worry. There is no room for you to come in and question. There's no room for you to say how is God going to work in the midst of this? When you look at your situation and you look at your life and you look at your circumstances, you're like, how can anything good come from this? How can anything that God wants to do work out for good in this situation? And as a church, sometimes we posture ourselves and say, you're supposed to not look at that. You're supposed to say, well, God's going to make it good. And you just kind of turn a blind eye to it. And then you just kind of say, yay, everything's happy. And you put this fake smile on. And then all of a sudden that crashes down and then you're just devastated. And I love this, that Jesus put them in a place where he knew that they were retreating from what he had called them to. And he saw the doubt in their hearts, and he still went and spoke to them. In verse 18, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples. So here's one of the things that I want to point out to us is, before we get into this verse real fast is, is that whether you decide to call City Life your church or you look for another church in this area. Whatever you decide, we want to be a part of that because we, we think this is a great church and we think God is doing significant things in this church. But more importantly, we believe that God is building his kingdom through the church. 
And so you need to find a place where you can get into, where you can say, I'm signing up for that. I can experience God. I can sense God. I can grow in God. I feel accepted in what I'm called to do, who my gifts are, who all my flaws are, who all my doubts are. I can walk into that place and I can feel God. I can feel God leading me. I can sense God. I'm encouraged. My faith is strengthened. I'm allowed and given room to experience and, and, and to call out to God. Like that, you need to find that place. And if you find that here, awesome. If you don't find that here, you need to find it somewhere else. And we want to help you find that. We've got lists of great churches in the area, and we want to have that conversation with you. But I want you to know, no matter where it is, that God has a place for you. He has a place where you can find him. He has a place for you where you can see him. He has a place where he is going to come and speak to you so that you can believe in him. And if this is your church home, if this is your church and you say city life is mine, you've got the magnet on your car, you've got maybe the tattoo on your body, and you say this is, there's some of us that do, right? And so you say, hey, this is, uh, you know, this is my church. Listen, then you need to be encouraged that this is the place that God has for you to believe who Jesus is and to believe what he's called you to do in this life. That this should be a place that's safe for you. It should be a place where you sense his calling and his leading, where he's saying to you on a regular basis, go, be a part of that community. When you're there, I'm going to show up in a special way. I'm going to reveal myself to you, and I'm going to help you to feel encouraged. I'm going to help you feel strength. Even in a moment of doubt and worry, I'm going to give you an opportunity to believe. Believe maybe what you think is impossible. Verse 18, he says, Jesus came and told his disciples, and this language is so great. Because it, 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 it's so cool. It's, they doubted. They saw him from a distance. And then Jesus came to them. He stepped into their doubt. He stepped into their presence. He didn't stay up on this high mountain and say, come to me and do all of these things. He said, I see where you are. And he came to them. And when it says that he spoke to them, the language that's used here, I don't have time to go into all the language. But the verb that's used there, it's a verb that says it cut through the silence. And if you've ever been in a moment, you've ever been in a place where you're just unsure about things. Maybe you're insecure about stuff, especially about church. Maybe you've been hurt in church in the past. Maybe the church has done some awful things to you. And there's doubt. There's insecurity. Maybe there's even fear. Maybe there's just some sense of like, I don't know. This is the last straw, God. Maybe this is just the last time I'm going to go check out a church. I just want you to know that God is saying, listen, go there. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to speak into the silence of all of your doubt. I'm going to speak into the silence of all of your anxiety, all of your hurts, all of your shame. I'm going to speak and I'm going to cut through all of that so you can hear what I'm speaking to you. That is what this church is trying to be. That's what so many churches in this community are trying to be. We want to be a place where you can hear God speaking to you. We want to be a place where you can hear God clearly speaking to you, whether it's from this moment where we open up his living and active word. Maybe it's in a moment you're sitting in a life group and the life group leader speaks to you, or maybe it's the person next to you who never speaks, but they've got this incredibly intimate, passionate relationship with God, and God and them speak on this incredible incredible level in their prayer times, and then all of a sudden they just speak to you, and God just invades your space where you think everything is silent. God speaks speaks into it and he cuts through the silence and says, I'm right here. I see who you are and I love you. 
I see who you are. I know what you've done. I mean, you think about the 11 disciples. Matthew singles them out and says, these 11 that are here, these 11 were not there when Jesus, his darkest moment, when he was being abandoned, when he was being beaten, these 11 disciples walked away. Jesus is hanging on the cross and these 11 disciples are running for their lives. Jesus is in the grave. They're not caring for his body. They have abdicated all responsibility. They've abandoned any sense of relationship and friendship. They are running and hiding and they're doing everything they can to get away from that situation and God says go to a safe place because I want to speak to you and what I want to speak to you is is that I see you I love you I know all of that stuff and all of the things that you think are causing separation between you and God this silence that you feel like is so vast that cannot be broken I'm going to speak to it and I'm going to shatter it I'm going to slice through that silence and I'm going to say I'm right here See who I am. See that I love you. See that I'm standing in front of you. And see that I have something I want you to do. As he goes on, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And this shows us right here that God can be trusted through what he's done in Jesus Christ. And because he can be trusted, we can follow him. He's been given all authority. So when you say, man, I don't know if this can be taken care of. I don't know if this can be overcome. I don't know if this can be forgiven. Jesus has been given all authority. He can speak into any situation. He can change any circumstance. That's who he is, and that's who we are supposed to follow. And then it goes on in this, verse 20. Let's go back to verse 19. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey, to observe, to, to pay attention to all the commands I've given you. Listen, there's a way in which he wants us to follow him. There are boundaries that he set up. Whatever church you decide to be a part of, and if you're a part of this church and choose to be a part of this church, we want to be a church that says this is God's word. These things that he's spoken to us, these things are not to press us. They're not to, to, to put us in bondage, but they're to free us. And there's moments where there's pressing. There's moments where there's times where this thing is heavy. But what it's doing is it's pulling the things out of us that shouldn't be there so it can help us to experience the freedom and the joy of the life that is found in Christ. And so we want to be a church that speaks and teaches. There is a way in which he wants us to follow. There are commands that he's given us, but those commands he's given us are commands that we can follow because he's already done all of the hard work on the cross. And he's invited us into a place through his Holy Spirit that can do the things that he's calling us to do. And even beyond that, check this out, he's given us a way to do it. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen, he's given us a path to follow and he's given us a promise to hold on to. That he is there with us at all times. He stepped into this dark, empty, painful moment so many people were experiencing where they thought they were getting ready to experience and realize this greatness of Israel being restored. And then the man they were following was crucified. They were devastated. They were wrecked. And he steps into that place and says, no, I'm with you now, and I'm with you forever. These 11 men, as the worship team comes up, these 11 men who had now been in a place of hiding and running. 
These possibly 500 people who were confused and just distraught and saying, what's next? They're standing now in a moment. God's so revealed. and He's so shown to be powerful that they believe. They move from a place of doubt to a place of belief. And what happens is, is they overcome their past, they overcome their circumstances, they overcome their fear and their worry because they're looking at the person of Jesus and they're realizing and understanding all that he had said and he's revealing himself to them and he's saying there's a way that I want you to go and I've already gone there and I'm saying I want you to follow me and I'm going to make everything clear as you follow me and I'm going to give you an opportunity in a way and all of those things and I'm going to give you a promise that you can hold on to that I'm there with you always and it so changes these people that they go from a place of hiding to a place of launching this global church that starts small I mean you go 20 30 40 years from this moment where they don't even yet have this Bible. They don't even have these words. And you've got these men saying, I saw him. I knew him. And I saw him raised from the dead. And I so believe in him. And I so believe in the life that he's promised. I'm going to go and do what he's told me to do. And they start the church. And this church is exploded. It is still the greatest change agent in the world today. When you look at countries that are falling apart and you look at all of this chaos, you see the church thriving in the midst of that. And you see God doing insane things globally right now that people would said would never be possible in times past. We see it happening now. The church is how God is building his kingdom. And when you step into a place and you say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a church family. I want to embrace what God's called a community to do. When you step into that place, God speaks to you. And he begins to show you the things he wants you to do. He begins to show you the way he wants you to go. He begins to show you and help you to understand a promise in a way that helps you to put everything else aside. These 11 men went from being cowards hiding in locked rooms to giving their lives, many of them in the most gruesome and horrible ways that you could imagine, never once backing down from who Jesus was. I want this to be a church where we know who Jesus is. I want it to be a place where we come in with all of our mess, where we walk into the door, sometimes clueless, oblivious to the things that God's doing, and we walk in and our jaw just drops because we see that he's present and that he loves us. He's there to embrace us and he's there to lavish his grace and his mercy on us. He's not there to say, you've got to jump through this hoop. No, you can't go there. No, you can't do that. No, you can't experience this. I'm going to judge you and I'm going to put you aside. No, it's a place where we can say, I can experience God. Yeah, there's things I got to give up. Yeah, there's things I got to stop. Yeah, there's places I can't go anymore. Yeah, there's things I can't do anymore. But it's not so that I can be limited and held back from joy and freedom it's so that I can truly know joy and freedom and I want to be a church that points to the joy the freedom and the goodness and the grace of who God is and what he's done through Jesus Christ that's who I want us to be as a church that's what I want us to experience as a church in moments like we had with worship today maybe our worship team's a little smaller than it normally is and it, it doesn't matter 
as Chris and I were talking this morning, it's not about the size of our worship team. It's not about the songs that we sing. It's about our hearts saying, I want Jesus to be lifted up today. And then I want us to be a church that's known for that, lifting Jesus up today. So here in a minute, I'm going to come back after we sing the song, and I'm going to close this out and give a little bit more direction. But I want us to stand in this moment. I want us to sing this song. And maybe, maybe you're, you're far from God, and maybe you just feel, you can go ahead and stand. You, maybe you feel like, I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. I, I don't even know where I'm at in this place with God. I want you to know that it's not about what you've done. It's not about what you've experienced. It's not about what you're able to fix. It's about the fact that you're willing to stand in his presence and see him for who he is. That God is present with you now and he's looking at you and all of your mess and all of your good and all of your ugliness and all of the craziness and he's looking at you and he says, I love you. And I just want you to sense that. I want you to experience that and know that God is present and that he's working. Experience the glory of your. 
today as you leave here that you're encouraged to know that God has created a place and that God has spoken to you to go to that place so that you can know that he is present that he's loving that he has a plan for you that he has a purpose for you that he wants to speak to you and to encourage you to live the life that he's dreamed for you that he has a place he has a place called his church that he has set up and it's got many different ways of looking it's got many different body parts but it's a place that he's created and he's given so that we can come and see who he is and believe in who he is that it's a place where we should be able to walk into and and that even if in a moment we feel conviction even if in a moment we say i need to change some things we still feel love and we still feel grace it shouldn't be a place where we feel constant rejection it shouldn't be a place where we feel constant disappointment but it should be a place that we walk into even with all of our mess and we say wow he sees me and he knows me man and because i see that I see who he is, and I see what he's really done, and I believe in him to be the savior that he says that he is. And today, if you're in a place and you don't know him as Lord and savior, it's as simple as you saying, I believe, and saying, God, I give my life to you. I will follow you, I will surrender, I want you to be Lord, which means I want you to be in control. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose from my sins and I believe that because of that you have a new life you have a whole new life that you have for me that is now possible because I believe and then in that moment God can change the trajectory of who you are and what you do and where you're going for eternity for all of us that today we have a relationship with God, he is our savior. May we walk out of here encouraged, saying that he's given us a place where we can come so that we can see him and from that place we can go and do what he's called us to do. So Father, we pray that that be our experience. God, I pray that every time we walk in these church doors, God, it's like the moment that I experienced on my surprise birthday. Lord, that when I walked in, God, and I just saw, I just sensed and knew God, I, I wasn't aware of how I looked. I wasn't aware of, of any of the mess that I was carrying. God, I was just aware and so overwhelmed by love and grace. God, I pray that every time that somebody comes even into the parking lot, that your presence is so strong, it's so real. God, that we carry all of our mess in. And God, we just sense and know your love and your grace for us. God, I pray that as we see that and as we experience that, God, that we can walk out with a boldness that we've never had before. 
Lord, we love you. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Have a great week. Make sure you get your chocolate-covered bacon on the way out. Get some cookies. Support some kids going to camp. And we'll see you back next week.